The interdisciplinary mindset, I think, often starts from the problems of the world or the opportunities or the issues in the world and then says, all right, what do we need to bring together in order to make a real difference to those problems? Hello, and welcome to KPMG's Talking Tertiary podcast, where we reimagine tertiary education for a changing world. I'm Stephen Parker, KPMG's education sector leader in Australia. In this podcast series, we look at the forces driving change in the tertiary education sector and how the system and institutions are responding. In this episode, I talked with Professor Caroline Evans, the recently appointed Vice-Chancellor at Griffith University in Queensland, about the differences she's experienced between universities and the challenges she expects to face personally and for the university. Carolyn joined Griffith University in February 2019 after a period as a Deputy Vice-Chancellor at the University of Melbourne. And before that, she was the Dean of Law at Melbourne. She's a most distinguished academic, a Rhodes Scholar, and a well-published expert in law and religion. Here's the interview. Carolyn, welcome to Talking Tertiary, and thank you for joining me in what I'm sure is a busy early period as a Vice-Chancellor. Oh, thank you, Stephen. It's a great pleasure. It is an early and busy period, but I'm told reliably that it's not going to get any less busy. <laughs> well, your career and my own, I suppose, have a few parallels to date. I went from a research-intensive university, the ANU, to Griffith University 25 years ago. You've come from the University of Melbourne. I found the two universities had their differences as well as similarities. How has the experience, the transition, been for you? I've been very fortunate to work at two really wonderful universities and they have a lot in common of course. They're both large comprehensive universities and that's something that was really important to me. One of the things I loved about building my career at Melbourne was that I could talk to colleagues in the sciences, the arts, the performing arts, the humanities, social sciences. Uh, and so to come to Griffith, which is a comprehensive university and which takes seriously all aspects of human understanding, research, teaching, that, that's been wonderful. Uh, but they are different universities in their own ways too. Uh, Griffith doesn't have the same access to resources that we did at Melbourne, which uh, means that we have to be a bit more creative and adaptable, and that's fine. Uh, and we also perhaps cater to a student demographic that's a little wider than it was at Melbourne. Uh, and it, that for me has been a really wonderful aspect of coming here to Griffith. Uh, the student body is diverse. Um, we've got a lot of students who are first in family. We have very large number of Indigenous students and students from the Pacific. Uh, and that mix has, is terrific. And the commitment that our staff have here to trying to ensure that there are great educational opportunities for those students, that's something that's really quite inspiring to see. Terrific, thank you. Well, let's look to the future. You've arrived enthusiastic, keen to take Griffith to new heights. I know it's early days, but what is your emerging strategy for the university? Well, it is early days, and one of the things that I really think is important at leadership in a university is to take advantage of the incredible range of brilliant people who happen to work in the same university as you. So we're having, I hope, a very genuine, open and engaged discussion about what our strategy should be. 
the broad parameters of that are beginning to emerge, but we'll be locking them down over the next few months. So, yeah, watch this space. One of the things that people are really keen to think about is how we perhaps get back in touch with some of Griffith's interdisciplinary roots. Uh, as some people will know, Griffith was established in a way that was really quite leading for the time and, and a little controversial around just four large academic groupings, one of which was environmental studies, one of which was Asian studies. You know, these things in the 70s were not the way that universities were run. Uh, so we have a long tradition of interdisciplinary teaching and research, uh, and that still goes on today, absolutely. But people would like to be a bit more ambitious in that area, and I certainly join with that ambition. I think our students will need a breadth of skills as they go into the workforce and a breadth of knowledge. Uh, and many of our academics are keen to work together across disciplinary boundaries on important issues. So that will be a big, big part of the strategy, both teaching and research interdisciplinary focus. And we're starting to look at our campuses. We've got five campuses and we can't be comprehensive at all campuses. Uh, some of them have come to us as, as sort of a matter of history and what we teach there is a matter of history rather than strategy. So starting to think about, well, how can we really make each of our campuses great at the thing that it does? Uh, and in particular, how can we really build our presence in Brisbane? We have a couple of buildings along the Brisbane River, mm -hmm. uh, the South Bank area, which is now an extraordinarily wonderful area, culturally rich, museums, performing arts, our own conservatorium there, cafes, uh, bustling place. Uh, and the building that we have there was built at another point in time when South Bank was not the same place. So how could we put something there that might really engage people, show them the creativity and the talents of our students, invite them through and into our campuses uh, and perhaps make a bit of a name for ourselves in Brisbane. Uh, we've had a fantastic set of investments in the Gold Coast and our campuses there now, just mm. fantastic, really wonderful. Uh, and co-located next to the hospital and the tram system, absolutely thriving. So how can we just inject a bit of that life also into the campuses that we have more um, in the Brisbane area? So perhaps I'll pick up both of those, interdisciplinarity and then campuses. And certainly when I was at Griffith, it was strongly based in interdisciplinarity. Not everything ran smoothly. Um, possibly organisations based around silos at least uh, are more uh, understandable or easy to, to manage. But yet a listener to this episode who doesn't come from universities might think that all universities are interdisciplinary. What, what's the issue? So, so what is it about interdisciplinarity that's so special? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're not trying to reinvent the 1970s. There were things that went really well there, were amazingly visionary, but they wouldn't work today and that's fine. Uh, and all universities are interdisciplinary to some degree. There's not a university in Australia where there aren't people working across the boundaries. But I suppose for those outside the university system, it's in some ways a way of thinking, a, a beginning point. There are people who begin deeply in their own discipline and problems within that discipline, and that's absolutely as it should be. Uh, you know, we have, I was just having a tour of our quantum dynamics lab where they're doing extraordinary and amazing work on theoretical physics. I wouldn't want to stop them doing that because it's brilliant and most of it isn't interdisciplinary and, and doesn't have that potential. Mm -hmm. But some of it is working with our people in the medical field as well and, and there are some great breakthroughs there. So for some people it's starting with the problems of the discipline and moving on from that and they do great work. 
The interdisciplinary mindset, I think, often starts from the problems of the world or the opportunities or the issues in the world and then says, all right, what do we need to bring together in order to make a real difference to those problems? So perhaps the, the best example we have here at the moment is the work that's being undertaken on climate change adaptation led by Professor Brendan Mackey. Uh, that starts with an issue, all right, we've got climate change. We're going to have to start to face that and how does the world adapt and how do we try and minimise uh, the level of climate change adaptation. Perhaps a disciplinary approach would say, well, that's a problem for environmental scientists. And of course it is, but it's also a problem of public policy. It's also a problem of communications. It might also be a problem engineers can contribute to and people who have town planning capacity. So instead of starting with, with the discipline, we start with the issue, the problem in the world, and then we gather around minds. And that's a really easy thing to say. And in practice, it's actually an extraordinarily hard thing to do, which is why universities, and I think many universities like ourselves, are grappling with you. How do you do it well? Uh, because it's quite easy to do it badly, mm. and we certainly don't want to do that. And then the second node, if you like, of um, the strategy that you were outlining is around campuses, and um, I fully understand that, but campuses are expensive things. <laughs> Much of the world is moving into the virtual and the digital. How do you reconcile expansion digitally with development and expansion through, through campuses? So the digital side is incredibly important, and some of our students only ever engage with us digitally. It's the, our digital campus is one of our biggest campuses. But many of our students do, and in my view, will continue to and wish to continue to engage with us in the physical realm, at least for part of their time. Mm -hmm. Most of those will also expect excellent online materials and a capacity to um, engage with their teachers by virtual means. So it's not one thing or the other. I think sometimes when people think about universities, particularly in the undergraduate world for people who are emerging from their adolescence into their adulthood, there can be too much of a temptation to think that university is about sort of coming along a production line, being injected with a certain set of knowledge or skills and, and mm -hmm. coming off the production line again. For most young people, it's actually a life experience. Uh, and that life experience is partly about the degree that they do. It's partly about the person they fall in love with and the tute next to them. It's partly about their first opportunity to dabble in politics or to join the football club or to uh, go on stage or to have all of those sort of wonderful life experiences and to make friends uh, and often lifelong friends. Now, that, some of that can be done in the digital realm, but it's quite a different experience. And I think the reason that students are continuing to want to engage online and the reason that perhaps sometimes businesses who had thought that they would all become virtual and digital and so forth are in fact returning to bringing people together is that there is some hard to quantify but, but undeniable dynamic that happens when people get physically into the same space together. So we're looking at consolidating a little with campuses and not um, not investing where we don't need to, but I think campus is going to be a really important part of the equation for a university like Griffith well into the future. Good. Well, continuing with the theme of the future, um, no period as Vice-Chancellor is without its challenges, not least from the unexpected, um, but I'd like to lay out what you think they'll be. First of all, for the university. Well, it's, it's a little hard to predict the unexpected because it wouldn't then be unexpected. But uh, look, we've got real challenges in, I think, 
the way that we engage with people outside the university. Uh, the notion that universities are just accepted as valuable, I think is one that's no longer able to be accepted without justification. So we need to be justifying ourselves to government, to the public who support us, uh, to businesses and employers who engage with us. Not necessarily always on their terms, uh, you know, we, that, that doesn't mean we have to buy into whatever narrative government happens to have at the time. But we can't simply go in with the self-assurance, as universities in the past perhaps had, that everybody accepts that universities are, are a good and valuable part of our society. I think that's a challenge, but I don't think it's a bad thing because it actually forces us to think about and to articulate the very many ways in which I think we are absolutely critical social institutions that play a fabulous role in society um, and perhaps have sometimes been a bit underestimated by Australian society, which can have elements of anti-intellectualism and tall poppy syndrome. So you know, I don't think it's a bad thing that we have to articulate that value, uh, including to our students and our potential students. Uh, it can become damaging if that means we have a loss of self-confidence. I think we should go into those conversations recognising the legitimate questions that other people might have, but being confident that we have answers about what we do now, uh, but also being confident enough to say, well, we, there might be ways we need to adjust and engage with that outside world differently. Uh, it might be that as the workforce changes, in fact, it almost certainly is the case that as the workforce changes, uh, graduate study will no longer largely be about people taking a year or two years or three years out of the workforce and studying sure. full time. They will want an injection of learning at particular points in time in particular ways. They might want to build that up into a credential. Mm -hmm. They might just want something that's recognised by their next employer or, or their customers if they go into business themselves or just that they know is valuable. So we've got to be much more flexible and that's going to be a challenge for us as well because it's not the way we're used to doing businesses. But again, many universities and Griffith among them is really rising to that challenge, I think. Great, and for you personally, what, what challenges do you anticipate? Look, these jobs are all-consuming. Uh, they could take up every hour of, of every day. Uh, trying to work out where the reasonable boundaries are is, I suppose, especially as a new Vice-Chancellor, interesting. Uh, I've moved states, so I'm not only trying to get to know a very large university community spread across five campuses and, and quite a wide geography, uh, but I'm also getting to know the people of Brisbane and the people of the Gold Coast, the people in business, the people in government, the people in the not-for-profit sector. Again, that's, uh, that's wonderful, but it's stretching and being able to prioritise between those uh, every now and then. My, when I tell my EA I have a wonderful new set of people that I need to get meetings set up with, you know, she's beginning to look tearful. Um, so, it, it, you know, it is a challenge trying to, to get those priorities right and within those priorities have a bit of time that is not about being the Vice-Chancellor but about... Um, just being a human being who needs to see family or walk on the beach, uh, that's so... I, I'm, but I recognise that the first six to 12 months, to some degree, this is, this is the point we've just got to go out and start forming the relationships and getting the strategy out and, and, and engaging and pushing reasonably hard uh, and not completely neglecting myself, but, uh, but recognising that, that things might change a bit over time. Well, Carolyn, you've got a, a terrifically exciting role. I wish you the very best in it, and thank you for joining me to talk tertiary. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure, and it's certainly a role I'm loving at the moment. Well, that was my conversation with Carolyn Evans, 
the Vice-Chancellor at Griffith University. She talked about her emerging vision for the university around interdisciplinarity and campus-based nature. She talked about some of the future challenges which she thinks the institution will face and she personally may face. You can listen to other episodes, including my conversation with Jane Den Hollander, the former Vice-Chancellor at Deakin University at kpmg.com slash au slash Talking Tertiary. We have other interviews with Vice-Chancellors coming up, so please subscribe wherever you find your podcasts to automatically receive those. If you have a topic related to the future of tertiary education that you feel needs further discussion, then do get in touch either on email, talkingtertiary at kpmg.com.au, on Twitter, I'm at Stephen Parker ED, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak with you next time on Talking Tertiary.